Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today we are on Season 4, Episode 1, Yes, We Have No Havanas. And this episode originally aired on October 8th of 1988. So what other interesting historical events have transpired on October the 8th? Well, in 1945, the microwave oven is patented. In 1982, the first win in New Jersey Devils franchise history, a 3-2 victory over the New York Rangers. In 1998, the first person from Portugal to win the Nobel Prize for Literature occurs when Jose Saramago is awarded the prize. In our most recent event on October 8th of 2018, the Nobel Prize for Economics is awarded in a split decision to William Nordhaus for his work on the economic effects of climate change and Paul Romare for his work on indigenous growth theory. I'm not quite sure what that is. I understand the first one, but I'm not quite sure what that one is. Indigenous growth theory. Yeah. Um, so that is our history lesson for the day. So why don't you tell us what transpired in this lust-filled edition of the Golden Girls. <clears throat> All righty, lust-filled. Well, let's check it out. In scene one, we're in the living room with Dorothy and Sophia on the couch. Rose enters, and we learn that Sophia hasn't showered with a man for 22 years, though her husband has been dead for 27 years. Sophia wants to know what that point was that Dorothy was trying to make. Yes, Rose tells us that she got two tickets to the hottest Norwegian musical in town. Uh, but... Dorothy can't go as she is teaching history at an adult education program for those that have not yet gotten their high school diplomas. The three R's for Rose are reading, writing, and rooster inseminating, believe it or not. And Blanche comes out wanting the others to tell her. Now I have a slight question. Yes. Isn't the rooster the male chicken? I didn't look that up, but it might be, yes. <laughs> uh, they're inseminating men chickens for some reason. I mean, you could. If the goal is offspring production, it would not really work. Work too well, would it? Uh, I don't know if roosters would be into that. It had to be rooster, I don't know. not chicken, because it had to be an R. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Anywho. So, Blanche, she comes out. She's uh, wanting others to tell her if the dress she is wearing is, is her. And, of course, it is. She has another date with her mystery man. The doorbell rings. And it is him, Fidel Santiago, who is quite a bit older than Blanche. Yes, he is introduced to all. And after some talk, Blanche and Fidel leave. As we go to scene two, we're in Dorothy's class. Dorothy starts with roll call. And one of the names she calls out is Jim Shoe. And she thinks it is a joke. Yeah, but there really is a guy named Jim Shoe in the in the class. Then she calls out Rose Nyland. And Rose is there sitting right in front of Jim Shoe. 
And she is there because she slipped through the cracks of the St. Olaf school system. She never officially graduated from high school. Three weeks before graduation, she was asked to be in the kissing booth at the Founders Day Fair. The first boy she kissed had a nasty case of mono, and she passed it along to 50 young men and one very confused female PE teacher who smelled of Old Spice. Uh, she slept day and night for the next six months, and when she finally woke up, she had missed her graduation and the integration of Major League Baseball. Dorothy lets Rose stay in the class. I'm not sure why Dorothy didn't want her to stay, but uh, she had a little fight with that. Then Rose leads the class in the Pledge of Allegiance. Scene three, we're in the kitchen. Dorothy's at the table and Rose enters. Dorothy is grading history test. Rose wants to know what she got on the test. Dorothy says that Rose is doing very well in every subject except history. Rose blames it on her high school history teacher, Mr. Sticklemeyer. He was a real Nazi, and they were experimenting with giving out misinformation to students, and St. Olaf was the first town chosen, of course. Blanche comes in with a fantastic orange dress outfit on and says, Fidel's seeing another woman. Uh-oh. Because they used to spend all their time together, and now they barely see each other twice a week. They talk a while, then the three decide to go out to dinner. Scene four, we're on the boardwalk. Rose, Dorothy, and Blanche walking, eating ice cream cones and talking. They spot Fidel, and he has his arms around a woman. That woman's hidden from us, of course. Blanche goes to confront him, and the other woman turns out to be Sophia. Oh, we have a big-time talk. Sophia shows us that she is wearing Fidel's medic alert bracelet. Fidel wants to continue to see both women. Well, of course he does. He excuses himself and leaves. Blanche and Sophia then talk, and they each leave, and certainly they're not happy with each other. Scene five, we're in the living room. Dorothy and Rose on the couches. Sophia and Fidel enters from the front door. Blanche enters from the bedroom in a sheer gown. They apparently have rules that when one is out with Fidel, the other one cannot interfere. Yes, that will work. Fidel leaves. Sophia and Blanche continue fighting, and Blanche needs a cheesecake. So in scene six, we're in the kitchen. Blanche is getting a cheesecake. Dorothy and Rose sitting at the table. They talk about Blanche's ego. Sophia enters and wants to talk. Sophia knows she is fighting a losing battle and is going to give up Fidel. Uh, Blanche, she now feels bad. And the reverse psychology that Sophia used on this worked just like a charm as Blanche says she can have Fidel and she has all those other boyfriends. And Sophia is obviously very good with that. Scene seven. We're in the living room with Rose on the couch, and Dorothy enters with milk and cookies. Dorothy tells Rose there is some news. Yeah, Rose failed the history test, which means Rose will not get her diploma. Uh, we get a quick talk about the size of their respective behinds. Yes, Rose looks over her test and says she got one right that Dorothy marked as wrong. It was about the leader of the Third Reich. Yes. Rose answered Fritz Stickelmeyer, her high school history teacher. But the correct answer, of course, would be Adolf Hitler. Rose gets her history book and shows Dorothy a picture of the leader of the Third Reich and says, that is Fritz. 
and that is Eva Braun next to him. She was Rose's high school PE teacher. Oh, Dorothy will give her credit for the question, which means she gets a D minus and is now a high school graduate. Sophia comes out all dressed up as Fidel is taking her out to the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater to see Ruth Buzzy in Evita. Blanche comes out of her bedroom and Fidel asked her out to the theater as well. Now there is a big confusion and fight. Dorothy answers a phone call and tells them that neither is going as Fidel is not going either. At scene eight, we're at a funeral home. Yes, Sophia and Blanche say that they killed him. Yes, Fidel died. Rose notices that everybody at this funeral is a woman. We start the funeral and Sophia interrupts the service to ask all the attendees who was dating Fidel and all the women hold up their hands except of course Dorothy and Rose. Sophia then takes over the service and gets in her share of digs into the other women and she is walking out of the service as this episode comes to an end. Well, we have a few cultural references throughout this episode. Uh, firstly, to Molly Ringwald, uh, who is an actress, singer, and author, uh, most known for her collaborations with John Hughes, appearing in three of his films, uh, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink. Uh, most recently and currently uh, portrays Mary Andrews on the CW's adaptation of the Archie comics, Riverdale. Oh, yeah. Um, a, the Norwegian musical theater show. So I had to do some extensive Googling for this. Okay. So the only one that this could theoretically be referring to is the musical Witch Witch which is written by Norwegian singers and composers Benedicte Adrian and Ingrid Bjornov. Uh, now, the storyline for it was derived from the Witchfinder's manual Malleus Maleficarum, and the original script written by Adrian and Bjornov's manager Ole Esorli. Uh, the lyrics of the early concert versions were written by Helen Hampton and Roger Avonstrup, in collaboration with Adrian Bjornov and Sorley. Okay. Uh, it was first performed in Grieghallen Bergen in May of 1987. Uh, it was constantly developed throughout the next eight years, uh, resulting in several national and international tours presenting continuous, continuously updated versions of the musical. Uh, the opera musical Witch Witch opened at Piccadilly Theatre in London in October of 1992, running for 76 performances after a critical savaging in which it was described as the second worst West End musical of all time, a bizarre musical, and a dire rock opera. Uh, it has since its premiere in May of, 18, of 1987 and performed a total of 142 times in concert version in countries such as Norway, Canada, U the U.S., the Netherlands, England, Spain, Finland, Sweden, and Denmark. Uh, that's pretty much the only one it could really be referring to. 
and was also the only Norwegian musical I could find that has a, its own Wikipedia page. So, um, Adult education courses are simply that. Um, courses meant for adults to learn new things. Um, typically, it'll be, you know, for a high school diploma if they manage to not graduate with one or, you know, any other type of degree program. Uh, Fidel Castro, a Cuban communist revolutionary politician who governed the Republic of Cuba as its prime minister from 1959 to 1976, and then as president of Cuba from 1976 until 2008. Uh, Rex the Wonder Horse uh, was a 16 hands, which is apparently a measurement for horses, uh, which translates to 64 inches, uh, Morgan Stallion, who starred in films and film serials in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, so that is Rex the Wonder Horse, uh, who appeared in such classic films as The King of the Wild Horses, Black Cyclone, The Devil Horse, Wild Beauty, No Man's Law, Wild Beauty, again, apparently they made that one twice, uh, Guardians of the Wild, Two Outlaws, Wild Blood, Border Romance, Plunging Hoofs, The Harvest of Hate, Hoof Beats of Vengeance, The Vanishing Legion, Wild Horse Stampede, The Law of the Wild, The King of the Wild Horses, The Adventures of Rex and Renty, Stormy, and his final film appearance, Black Stallion. Oh, boy. Uh, he also, an, another horse, under appeared under the name Rex the Wonder Horse in Robinson Crusoe of Clipper Island in 1936, but was not the same animal. Um, TV Guide Crossword Puzzles. Uh, TV Guide Crossword was a spinoff publication, first published in the late 80s, based on the crossword puzzle feature in the penultimate page of each issue of TV Guide. Um, let's see, Santiago Cigars. Uh, the only one I can find is based in Rochester and began production in 2010, so I think this was made up for the show as far as I could tell. Uh, and then Taping Back Ears is apparently still a thing. Uh, to preserve the normal appearance of ears in babies. Uh, sheepskin condoms. Uh, I cannot find anything specifically about uh, sheepskin. Of course, there are lambskin condoms made from sheep intestines that are also available uh, on in the condom market. Although they are generally effective as a contraceptive, it is presumed that they are likely less effective than latex in STD transmission. Uh, prevention because of the pores in the material. Um, Benihana is a American restaurant company based in Aventura, Florida, which owns or franchises 116 Japanese cuisine restaurants around the world, including its flagship Benihana Teppanyaki brand, as well as the Haru and RA Sushi restaurants. A kissing booth uh, is a carnival attraction where the person running the booth kisses customers for money 
often to raise funds for charity, uh, which is something I imagine is not um, done anymore, I would imagine. But I couldn't find any uh, evidence in the positive or contrary about okay. that. Um, Old Spice is an American brand of uh, male grooming products encompassing deodorants, antiperspirant shampoos, body washes, and soaps. Uh, was originally launched as Early American Old Spice in 1937. It was first targeted towards women with the men's product only being released before Christmas in the end of that year. Uh, over time, the men's products found more success. It began to focus exclusively on those. Um, the integration of Major League Baseball. Uh, 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 so the color line in American baseball excluded players of black descent from Major League Baseball and its affiliated minor leagues until 1947, with a few notable exceptions in the 1800s before the line was firmly established. Uh, racial segregation was sometimes called a gentleman's agreement, agreement, meaning a tacit understanding. There was no written policy uh, in regards to this, but a high minor leagues vote in 1887 against allowing new contracts with black players within the league sent a powerful signal that eventually led to the disappearance of blacks from the sport's other minor leagues later that century. Uh, the line was virtually in full effect into the early 20th century. Uh, many black baseball clubs were established during the 1920s to 40s when there were several Negro baseball leagues. Uh, the color line was broken for good when Jackie Robinson signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers organization for the 1946 season. And by the late 50s, the percentage of black players on major league teams matched or exceeded that of the general population, apparently. Um, the reciting of the Pledge of Allegiance before a, a school day begins. Um, so, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, of course, uh, is an expression of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, originally composed by Captain George Thatcher Balch, a Union officer during the Civil War and later a teacher of patriotism in New York City schools. Apparently that was a subject. Um, the form of the pledge used today was largely devised by Francis Bellamy in 1892 and was formally adopted by Congress as the pledge in 1942. So I am not entirely certain if Rose would be uh, knowledgeable about this, you know, doing this daily. Uh, I'd have, you'd have to figure out the math there. 1942 is more or less when it was kind of started. Uh -huh. uh, so I'm not sure. Uh, the most recent alteration of the pledge, of course, came in 1954 with the words under God added. Uh, now... Congressional sessions typically open with the recital, as do many other government meetings at local levels. All states, except for Hawaii, Iowa, Vermont, and Wyoming, require a scheduled recitation of the pledge in public schools, although the Supreme Court has ruled in the case of West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett that students are not required to recite the pledge nor stand for it if they choose not to. Uh, so that is the short version of that. Um, 
do, 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 do World War Two. Um, I don't think we need to really cover. Um, Probably not. Okay, so education <laughs> experiments that Nazi Germany perpetrated. So, as far as I could tell, this was not a thing. Um, the Nazis did not carry out any experiments when it came to education. Of course, they did implement strict courses about the superiority of the Aryan race and other nonsense of that nature, but nothing that I could interpret as an experiment in regards to its to educational practices. And also Rose's thing of like that they were trying to like sow disinformation in, uh-huh. in America so that the Germans could be convinced that all Americans were stupid. I really don't think that would have been the case anyway. I don't really think Nazi Germany was too concerned with uh, turning its citizens against the American public. No. Uh, as far as I remember. It was a little concerned with other uh, groups within its own country to worry about other countries' populations at that point, yes. at least initially. Um, Adolf Hitler, I don't think we need to discuss who that is. I think we all are familiar enough. Um, Red Skelton was an American comedy entertainer, best known for his national radio and TV acts between 1937 and 1971, and has hosted the TV program The Red Skelton Show. He also appeared in many burlesque vaudeville uh, routines, films, nightclubs, and casinos, all while he pursued an entirely separate career as an artist. I assume that's like painting artist is what that would mean, I assume? Yes. Okay. Uh, So that's who that is. Um, uh, So I think Blanche refers to Fidel as like Santa Domingo. Um, So Santo Domingo, of course, is the capital and largest city in the Dominican Republic, but I don't really think they were overtly referencing that, but uh, (laughs) that's that's what that should be. Uh, Medic Alert uh, is a nonprofit company founded in 1956, headquartered in Salida, California, uh, that maintains a database of members' medical information that is made available to medical authorities in the event of an emergency. Uh, so that is medic alert. Uh, an allergy to penicillin uh, is, of course, an abnormal reaction of your immune system to uh, the antibiotic penicillin. Uh, and, you know, it may include, uh, symptoms may include a skin rash, hives, itching, fever, swelling, shortness of de- breath, Wheezing, runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, and anaphylaxis, uh, which is essentially uh, you suffocate to death, um, essentially. Uh, There's a bit more to it than just that, but that's more or less uh, what anaphylaxis is. Um, So, uh, you know, that's pretty much about that, as far as I can tell. Um, Kleenex is a brand name of uh, facial tissue. Surgical stockings are a specialized hosiery designed to help prevent the occurrence of and guard against further progression of venous disorders such as edema, phlebitis, and thrombosis. Jello is a uh, trademark of Kraft Foods for varieties of gelatin desserts, puddings, and no-bake cream pies. Uh, the original gelatin dessert began in Leroy, New York in 1897 
after Pearl Bixby Waite and his wife May trademarked the name for a product made from strawberry, raspberry, orange, or lemon flavoring added to sugar and granulated gelatin, which had just been patented in 1845 in its powdered form for the masses. The dessert was especially popular in the 1930s and 1950s. Okay. Uh, Bromo Seltzer uh, was a brand of antacid to relieve pain occurring together with heartburn, upset stomach, or acid indigestion. It was first produced by inventor Isaac E. Emerson's Drug Company in Baltimore, Maryland in 1888. Boy, I can't imagine what it would have been in that. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh boy, any kind of medicine like pre-1920 like 1920 is like, ooh boy, what was actually in that what stuff? What was in it? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, so, Bromo Seltzer um, was sold in the U.S., in effervescent granules, which must be mixed with water. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, Bromo Seltzer ceased kind of production in... Ah, they were withdrawn from the U.S. market in 1975, as was any uh, product made mostly with bromides due to the toxic nature of the bromide chemical family. <laughs> family um so 1975 more or less i don't really know why they were brought up in this episode from the from 88 but apparently they were um bruce willis uh is an american actor producer and singer yeah that's right uh, yes um whose career began on the off-broadway stage in the 70s uh later achieved fame with his leading role on the hit TV series Moonlighting, uh, and has since appeared in over 70 films, widely regarded as a leading action hero figure, uh, thanks to his appearance in the Die Hard franchise, uh, as well as other films such as Death Becomes Her, Pulp Fiction, 12 Monkeys, The Fifth Element, Armageddon, The Sixth Sense, Sin City, Red, Moon, Moonrise Kingdom. Okay, apparently that contributes to his uh, action hero cred. Okay. Sure. Uh, the Expendables 2, Looper, and The Unbreakable Trilogy. Uh, he also made his Broadway debut in the stage adaptation of Misery in 2015. Released his debut album, The Return of Bruno, in 1987, and has since released two more albums in 1989 and 2001. Is the recipient of several accolades, including one Golden Globe and two Emmy Awards uh, for something. Um, let me see here. Oh, he has his own separate award page. Uh, let's see. Emmys. Um... A nominee, one one-time nominee for uh, a lead actor in Moonlighting, and then a two-time Emmy winner, one for that same deal there, but the next year, and then a guest actor in a comedy series for his appearance on Friends. Uh, he won a Emmy for, and I assume uh, Golden Globe was all Moonlighting stuff. Uh, no Oscar nominations at all, which isn't really terribly surprising, but nonetheless. Um, How the West was won. Uh, I assume they meant the movie and not the Led Zeppelin album. So, yes, of course. Um, the movie, 
1962 Metricolor Epic Western. It uh, was one of the last old-fashioned epics made by MGM uh, to enjoy great success. It is set between 1839 and 1889. follows four generations of a family as they move from Western to New York to the Pacific Coast. Uh, the picture was one of only two dramatic films made in the curved screen three projector cinerama process uh, which added to its cultural impact uh, it was listed at number 25 on afi's uh, top 100 film scores list also gained widespread critical acclaim and in 1997 was selected for the national film registry of the library of congress uh, Eva Braun was the longtime companion and for less than two days Adolf Hitler's wife. Uh, let's see. Um, that's pretty much about it, uh, more or less. Um, Ruth, oh, the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater was a, a theater in Jupiter, Florida that Burt owned. Uh, Ruth Buzzy uh, is an American actress, comedian, and singer. Uh, she has appeared on stage in films and TV, best known for her performances on comedy variety show Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, for which she won a Golden Globe and received five Emmy noms. Okay. Uh, a five-time Emmy nominee for Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Yes. Um, Evita, the musical, the stage production, uh, of course, is uh, a Weber Rice production. Uh, concentrates on the life of Argentine political leader Eva Perón, the second wife of Juan Perón. Follows her early life, rise to power, charity work, and eventual death. Uh, and that's pretty much it, more or less. Uh, Ann Miller uh, was an American dancer, singer, and actress, best remembered for her work in the classical Hollywood musicals of the 40s and 50s. That is all of our cultural references. We have a few side characters. Uh, firstly, Maria Gianelli, or Gianelli. Uh, there was no information on who played her, so I can't tell you anything about them. Uh, Fidel Santiago, though, was played by Henry Darrow, or Darrow, I'm not sure which, uh, known for his work in The Hitcher, Maverick, The High Chaparral, and Santa Barbara. Uh, Let's see, any of these actual awards? Uh, he did win a Daytime Emmy uh, for his supporting, uh, the supporting actor in a drama Daytime Emmy for his appearance in Santa Barbara. Uh, Jim Shu is played by Ralph Ahn, known for Eyes of an Angel, New Girl, The Lawnmower Man 2, and Suddenly Susan. Oh, yeah in which he plays Mr. Norihito. Uh, the priest at the funeral is played by John Ackhorn, uh, known for Night of the Comet, Beverly Hills Cop, Bailey Kipper's Point of View, and Diary of an Actress. And then uh, the, the, woman, the other woman that attends the funeral is played by Magda Howrout, uh, known for Baggage Claim, Fringe, Quantum Leap, 
and everybody loves Raymond. Mm. Uh, she appears on one episode as Cousin Bella okay. in, in Raymond. Um, two new sex partners, maybe three, we'll have to discuss this, uh, established firstly an unnamed man that she showered for five years at, with after her husband died for Sophia and Fidel for Blanche, unless you think um, Blanche's line where she says that he dipped his toes in the lake of Blanche means something else. Uh, I assume that's what that meant. I would assume that's what that uh, means. Okay, so then the question that we have to decide is, uh, what about Sophia? Did him and Sophia get busy or not? Ooh, boy, it's really hard to say from the episode. From the episode, I, I, I did not think so myself. I, boy, I, I'd say I, you can't tell you that they did, so... So no? Okay. So our tally stands, Blanche 54, Dorothy 6, Rose 5, and Sophia all the way up to 3. That's all I got for this one. Okay, I got some observations myself. Once again, being a sitcom, things overlap that should not. Uh, this is season four, episode one. And of course, Rose did not graduate high school. But in season three, episode five, Rose, she said via the drawing of straws, was elected the valedictorian of her graduating class. She told us of her speech and who was in the audience, etc. So I'm not really sure why she did not graduate. Um, and we can estimate by this episode that uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier by plan in 1947. So after doing some math, we figure that Rose was born in 1930. So graduating high school at 17, yeah, it's possible. Um, but then again, in this episode, she didn't graduate. Um, right. last but not least is Adolf Hitler was her history teacher and Eva Braun was her phys ed teacher. Now, if we believe the war of World War II, I mean, they both died in 1945. Uh, I can't believe Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun would have been in St. Olaf during the war? Well... I mean, I would have thought he would have been busy doing other things. Or do we believe that they did not die in the war and after the war they escaped to St. Olaf to teach there for a couple of years before her graduating in 47? Well, no. All the Nazis, when after the war, all the Nazis either fled to Argentina or to the or to the safe confines of the United States government to help with the NASA program. So, well, no, not to Saint Olaf. I mean, I know it's supposed to be something funny here, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she's telling us that they did not die in the war, apparently, right? So after the war, they escaped to America. And Adolf well, Hitler was their history teacher. I mean, the conspiracy theory <laughs> is that um, they built a secret base underground in like Antarctica or something or on the moon or something. 
Uh, th- those were the conspiracy theories of it. Well, yeah, but we're um, just wanting Hitler and Braun here. Right. So they had their secret... In St. Olaf? In Antarctica, and they flew to St. Olaf every day to teach? No. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the conspiracy theory of it is that um, they had a secret base built, like, under the ground in Antarctica or something... And that's why no one's allowed to go to Antarctica, basically, or whatnot. Oh. Or why no one goes. Yes, well... So, you know. Uh, and we're now, sure. in reality, no, this is just... Uh, the. I mean, you know... <laughs> yeah, this is just be fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, but... So we won't put too much thought in this. Trust me. I hope not. Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun was not in St. Olaf after, or even during the war. Uh... In the kitchen, they had a light blue and white checkered tablecloth this time. My episode counts for this episode. There was one physical abuse of Rose. Yeah, she got a head slap with the grade book. There was one St. Olaf story, of course, the history teacher and about misinformation. Yes, like that would have worked. One cheesecake was eaten. The girls were mad at each other. Yes, Blanche and Sophia, of course, because they were both dating Fidel. So our total counts now. Six weddings or planned weddings, nine physical abuses arose, 23 St. Olaf stories, 18 picture it stories, 12 cheesecakes eaten, seven Sicily Italian stories, 30 Sicily Italian references, 15 times these girls have been mad at each other, not best friends moving out, 19 sports, 24 games, eight, no, nine Stanley Zabornak appearances. My rating on this episode is this, is a pretty decent starting episode for a season i give it an 81 out of 100 i'll do it for this episode of the glide tv recaps the golden girls thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed if you did make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this and until the next episode good bye